Welcome to the Portland Pentecostals podcast. We're happy you've decided to join us as we build a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. It's often interesting to find out the reason why or the circumstances in which something was written or a statement was made. Perhaps you haven't, but most of us have made a rash promise under pressure. Or we have said something that we wished we could stuff back in our craw in a heated moment. Or in a time of passion, we have made a commitment that now we realize is almost impossible to fulfill. David writes, and knowing when he wrote and why he wrote what he wrote is so important, and we're going to discuss that later on in our sermon this morning. But I'm going to read seven verses from Psalm chapter number 81. And this is a song that David writes to Asaph, the chief musician. And he says, sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the lute. Blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon, at the full moon, on our solemn feast day. For this is a statute in Israel, or a law, a law of the God of Jacob. This he established in Joseph as a testimony. When he went through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language I did not understand, I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. You called in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Mirabah, Selah, or stop and think about it. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. The secret place of thunder. Thank you for standing in honor to the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you for worshiping and opening your spirit to Jesus. The life of each individual is in this world has struggle and triumph, pleasure and pain, hope and disappointment, fear and faith, heartache and happiness, heat and cold, sickness and, in he- and health, and many expected and unexpected events. Events that turn out just like we thought they would, some worse than, and some much better than we hoped they would. We have easily and naturally learned how to rejoice in the positive situations of life. But it's difficult to wait expectantly for the Lord in the difficult seasons of our existence. The key element in life is to know the one who has the answers and, to, and can give the supply of which we have need. For the God follower, the most encouraging truth is that in all of the struggles we face, God will answer and God is the answer. The core of the story that David is referring to gives us a a viewing window into the workings of God which allows us to glimpse his thinking, which allows us to think 
above where we think. God's thinking is not substandard, but it is above what we think. God's thinking is not in a small window of observation or intellect or knowledge, but he sees the end from the beginning. It is interesting to hear others tell the story of what happened in the past. You and I could look at V-Day or V-J Day Day or V-E Day. We could look at uh, the conflict in the 60s and we could view it through the filter of what we see in a documentary. But others that were there will tell the story much differently than those that have parroted what they have been told. You and I have been told stories of our family, of our history. And so it's almost as if we experience those things perhaps, but they're just a story. I mentioned to my wife a while back there was something that happened uh, and I was thinking about it and it was a, a story I thought, did that really happen? Because I hadn't discussed it with anybody in years. I had just thought about it in my brain and we can create our own reality. Uh, that's why eyewitnesses are not necessarily the best thing in a trial. That's why a video or audio of what went on, and now you can rely on that because each person views from a different viewpoint. We see from a different angle. We see uh, if we're in fear, we view things differently than if we're a bystander. And so our lives change. And so I had to ask my wife, did that really happen? Yes. Did it happen this way? Yes. Okay. I'm not crazy. Well, about that at least. We're fine. I had that story right. And David is reading from Moses' writing. And of course, there's oral history that has been passed down. And he's talking about a circumstance or a story that happened a long time ago. For nearly 400 years, the Hebrew children were a group of slaves with a divine promise to become. To become more than they could imagine, a great nation, to inherit a productive land, to become a blessed nation, the envy of the world, and eventually to become the people of God from whom the Messiah would be birthed. That's amazing. Those are amazing promises. Those are, Brother Tony, incredible promises. Are almost unbelievable promises. Uh, Sometimes God says, I will, and we go... That, uh, there's no way that could happen without God. It has to be a God thing. So these people were and would become what God had promised simply because they were born as children of Abraham. And of course, Joseph is in that lineage. The faith of Moses would propel them forward toward the purpose of God. It's interesting that God has put us in a community. He didn't intend for us to be alone, just like he never intended for Adam to be alone. He gave him a helpmeet. He put us in families. He put families in the church because we need each other. We are not self-sufficient. We just don't have it in ourselves to do life as God intended for us to do life solo. 
Because God wants us in community. And God had put them in community. And it was the faith of Moses that propelled the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness and ultimately to the edge of the promised land and then the faith of Joshua had to take them the next leg of the journey. That's why I need you and you need me. It's sometimes our faith helps one another get to where we want to go and we just don't have that faith in and of ourselves. And God knew that. What they would receive belonged to the father of the faithful. And what they would receive would be of the greatest value because God was giving it to them. And what they would receive would be of faith. That which is of faith is greater than that which is of natural origin. God always wants to give us better. So the key to their inheritance was first they were born right. We preached a sermon recently, it's how you were born, or it's not what you know, it's who you know, I think was the title that I gave to it. And, and you and I understand that we can have all knowledge and all understanding, but if we're not connected to God in the proper manner, we'll never receive what God intended for us to have. When you're born right, God has great plans for you, but there were always us. Now the Bible says God cannot be tempted, neither tempteth he any man, but he does test us. So uh, temptation is when the intention is to lead us away from God or into disobedience to God or to sin or rebellion. That's temptation. Test is we want to see if we really got what it takes. I don't know how long it's been since you've taken a test, but God's been giving me some lately. You know, thinking, man, I can't wait to get out of high school. There'll be no more tests. Hello? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. No, life is filled with it. And you say, well, man, I can't wait till I get in my career, get my family, all that settled. No more tests. Ding, 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 ding. Just wait. You know, yeah, life is good. Well, then you get old and there's a different set of tests that you have to face. Because life is filled with tests. And those tests are not meant to destroy us, but meant to reveal to us where we can become better, where we are well, and that we need God, and where and how we need God and one another. So the Hebrew children had just witnessed the miraculous deliverance from the hand of their oppressors. They'd walked on the sea of floor of the Red Sea without getting wet. The sound of racing chariots and the clanging of horses' hoofs and the neighing of the horses and the crack of the whip had echoed through the night from behind them. They couldn't be seen because there was a shield, but they could hear it. And they just knew the enemy was so close. It was worse than that dream that you wake up from running and almost being caught but never quite getting away. But as dusk turned to daylight, the shadow of the figure standing on the shore was revealed. And Moses stood immovable with a rod outstretched toward the path in the sea. And all watched in wonder as the congealed became liquid once again. And they heard the clap of the waves against the ground they had just passed over. And the water spilled over and sprayed with coolness into their face. 
peace almost as thick as spring rain. They had watched in stunned silence as God destroyed all of their enemies. And they began to sing. First it was Miriam and then it was a group of ladies with her. And then their tambourines and they began to dance and says, the Lord, the horse and his rider hath he thrown in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Oh, when salvation comes to us, we rejoice and it's easy to sing with gladness. They had played their instruments and danced before the Lord. And now the bodies of soldiers begin to wash up on the shore. And they observe the bloated bodies of hundreds of horses that begin to pop up. Yes, there were 600 chariots, each with at least one, some with more horses pulling them. Weary from the night's walk into the wind, men and women rubbed their eyes to ensure that what they were seeing was real. Had God delivered them from their enemies? Yes, God had delivered them from their enemies. Praise His holy name. And shouts went up again to Jehovah God. Singing rose with great crescendo. And feet began to dance again. Voices gave melodic praise to God. And the spirit of thanksgiving permeated the camp. It appeared as though all of their troubles were over because it was their fault that their backs were bruised and bloodied. It was their fault that their children had died and were drowned in the river. It was their fault that their life had been so hard. Now everything would be great. But we all find out that some things are our fault. And see, that's where our relationship with God begins is to tell Him, I have sinned. I have come short of the glory of God. God, my circumstances isn't because you made me this way. It's because I chose to be this way. This isn't fate that some power greater than I moved me into addiction or fear or anger or, or uh, uh, dysfunction. But I allowed circumstances and I allowed my choices to take me down the road. You and I would all love to go back to certain points uh, and find out the root decision that led us down a deviant path. Uh, the, the, the one decision that if we changed right there, we would have never ended up there. But I know and I have heard you say uh, that the one decision uh, of surrendering to Jesus Christ uh, was the best decision we made and say, that's what has brought me to a good place, uh, to a better place, uh, to a healthy place, uh, to a large place. Near regardless of the 400 years uh, of slavery and all uh, of the, the uh, bad decisions uh, that the Hebrew children had made, the one right decision they had made uh, was to kill the lamb and eat the unleavened bread and smear the blood on the doorpost uh, and hear the voice of the prophet that had faith that there was a better land and follow him even though they hadn't seen it. It seemed as though this new stage of life in the wilderness would be much less difficult and it appeared that with their major long-term enemy gone, it was a new season. But every season has its tests. And I know, I listen to the song sometimes, it's a new season, it's a new time. And, and you know, we want to believe until we've heard that it was recorded 13 years ago and it's, it's a new season. And we're going... 
that was 1984. Yeah. But yes, there's seasons that change in our life. And your season may be different than my season. Now, there are seasons in the body of Christ uh, of a rise and a tide that we flow and a sovereign move of God. But there are seasons in our individual's lives. The reason they had been delivered is God had visited them from the secret place of thunder. I've never seen thunder. Have you? I've seen lightning, but never seen thunder. I've heard the crack of thunder. Sometimes I miss it. Occasionally we get thunderstorms here and it reminds me of my childhood in the high desert with a... And the light's faster than the sound and it's all over and you can't tell exactly where it's coming from but there's something about being safe in a secure place and hearing the thunder that's like that's kind of cool but when you're out on a horse in the middle of the field and the lightning starts and the thunder comes and the rain's falling it's a little bit more nerve-wracking and you and I sometimes find ourselves in a secure place when the storm comes. But there's other times where we feel totally exposed and we're all alone and there's nobody fighting for us. And it didn't matter. Yes, we're going to be the guy that's struck twice by lightning. <laughs> Three days later, God tested them. In Exodus 15, the Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So they left water to go to a place where there was no water. And now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was called Marah. Or Marabah. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? But we have to remember that he said, God is going to take us to a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, they were listening to the voice of a man, but it was a man who had an encounter with God at a burning bush. And God says, okay, it's time to go back to where your forefathers came from. Remember recently we said, by faith, uh, Joseph said, hey, when you go back, uh, take my bones with you uh, when you go into the promised land. He had faith that they would go into the promised land. God provided water to quench their thirst, but they didn't like the taste of the water that he gave them. You ever expected just plain tap water and it was sparkling water? Or mineral water? And it's like, what's wrong with this? Well, some would say, what's wrong with that? What's right with this? So you go to a fancy restaurant, would you, would, would you like still water or sparkling? Most of us like still water. Some of you like sparkling. And occasionally, if I know what I'm getting, but they could have drunk the waters of Meribah and they could have quenched their thirst because even bitter waters can quench the thirst. But instead they just complained. And they named the place after their experience. 
It's fascinating how swiftly we can forget the times when God, through his instantaneous and miraculous power, has cared for us and met our needs. So they see water and God blows it out of their way so they can get to the other side. Now they see water and they drink it and they don't like the way it tastes. Sometimes I don't like what God gives me. I'm sorry, I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes it's like, I, I do ask, why God? I have to be careful that I don't become a whiner baby. And complain continuously that God has done this to me. Oh, poor me. We must not allow our negative experiences to define us. I've noticed bitter people have let a bitter experience define the whole rest of their life. Instead of this is a season. (laughs) This is an experience. Uh, I am going to pocket it. Uh, I am going to think about it. I'm going to say, God, what can I learn from this? Uh, I'm going to ask myself what I can learn from this. And what I have found out, some of the most bitter experiences of my life have taken the bitterness out of my heart uh, because I allowed God uh, to do what he wanted me to do. That I have met bitter people that struck out at me and I had a choice to let the bitterness infect me or to say, God, let the bitter become better in my life. And instead of those bitter people impacting me and defining who I am for decades to come, I'm going to say, bless them that curse you, do good to them that despitefully use you and pray for them that curse you. So if we follow God's plan, he has a reason for everything. He allows you and I to be tested. I pray that if you have been tested and bitterness has found its way into your spirit or your thinking, that today the healing power of Calvary will take that bitterness out of your life. That you'll allow him to take that bitterness out of your life. And no longer will it be Marabah, but it'll go back to Marah. So don't let your mind go there. Don't let your conversations uh, go there. Don't let others' conversations take you back to the past bad and rest there and stay there. But you can thank God that you're not there anymore. You're not sucking up bitter water anymore. But now you've moved on and there's water flowing from a rock uh, that you speak to. uh, And God gives you sweetness into your life. We must not allow ourselves to be so consumed with the trouble of the moment that we forget the God of all plenty. He's still our source. He's still our protector, our deliverer. We must not allow what is happening in our life to take us from God, but to push us toward God. Because He's the gatekeeper. He allows and he puts up walls. That's what we found out in the story of Job. Hey, I've been walking around seeing whose life I can make a mess. And God says, well, what about Job? What about Daniel? What about Michael? What about Phyllis? What about John? I'm not speaking prophecy today, but so don't blame me. Blame God. But God allows the bitter experiences. From now on, when I taste water, I'll think, thank God I'm not at Meribah. Thank God I made it through that bitter stage in life. Thank God I'm in a good place. 
And oftentimes God lets us move on from those bitter places. I have a friend that suffered. Uh, we both went through a very similar experience to, at, at different times. And they were close friends of ours. And 30-some uh, years later, he's still bitter about the bitter experience. And I'd moved on. And it's, it's stunning how people can get trapped. But you know the kind of people that get trapped? The people that haven't died out to self. The people who have made it all about him, them than all about him. But if we know we're living for God and we're working for God and we're fulfilling his purpose, then if people attack us, don't worry. He said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. But we know that now he sits and reigns from heaven above. And one day all is going to be made well. So Moses didn't have the answer to the bitter water. But he knew the answer. In verse 25, the first part of the verse says, So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now, this, isn't this crazy? They named it Mirabah when it was Mara, and God gives an answer to the bitterness to Moses. He cuts down a tree, and he throws it in the water, and makes it whole, and, it, and it's sweet. But they still call it bitter. God makes the bitter sweet. Then we have to call the bitter that was made sweet, sweet. Not bitter. And we say, thank you God for that test. Thank you for helping me pass that test. Thank you for bringing me through that season of life. And I found that if I will allow God to test me. And I'll follow his program or his protocol through the test. I get out the other side and I'm better for for it. And I don't have to take the test again. I just renewed my driver's license. Eight years, didn't even take a test. They don't know how dysfunctional I am. I just had to kind of keep my hand down by my side for a few minutes. Smile into the camera and there it is. I have my real ID now. I don't know. I must have had fake ID before now because I have real ID now. And they punched a hole in the fake ID so I couldn't use it anymore. And now I've got to use the real ID or they won't let me on a plane starting in May. But God wants circumstances not to define us, but to refine us. God showed Moses, the man of faith, the solution. The tree was the solution. Calvary is our solution. The tree had been planted years before they ever even walked up to the place. Have you thought about that? I don't know who planted that tree. I don't know what wind God blew from upon the land. I don't know where the seed came from. I don't know what kind of tree it was. But God made sure that there was a tree planted by the bitter waters. So it could be made sweet. God has been working. He sees the things that are not as though they already are. God already has a plan to solve the bitterness in your life. 
He already has a solution. The tree's already been planted. And if he did it for them, he's done it for you and I. And so let's quit sucking up the bitter water and whining. Let's look around for a solution and say, God, show me the solution. God, show me the answer. Show me what I need to be changing in my life. Show me what application needs to be applied to my lifestyle. God often uses what he has already planted in our life to work the miracles of today because God is economist. All things work together for the good to them that love God and are they called according to his purpose. Never again would they drink bitter water and think they had to stay there. They'd be looking around for a tree and say, okay, God, what's the answer? He's already planted the tree. The sacrifice of the tree brought sweetness to the water so that they, it could be drunk and bring freshness to life. Something had to die for a nation to live. What dies is always of less value than what it is replaced by. Think about the times when you had to give up something to receive something else from God. God always gives you better. God always gives you more. We preached about it in the last year. God's exchange program. For iron, I gave you brass. And for brass, silver. And for silver, gold. God always gives us better. The tree was less valuable than the nation. What dies is always of less value. So the flesh of Christ was less valuable than the church. Oops, did I say that out loud? He said, for this cause came I into the world. Yes. Hey, do you yes. know why I came in flesh? You know why this body was made? So I could give it. What's more important than the body, than God in the flesh? It is God in the flesh multiplied. That's what you and I are. We are His body. We are His bride. We are His arms. We are His voice. We are the one. That's why He said, go. Lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, uh, speak with new tongues. Uh, that's why he said, greater works than these shall ye do, because I go to the Father. That's right. When God gives you something that leaves a bitter taste in your mouth, have patience. He'll show you the solution. Calvary has brought out the sweetness in life. Notice that the name of the place still remains bitter. Even though it became sweet. You know, they were just there for a few moments uh, drinking bitter water. And God made it sweet. I wonder if they ever went back there and said, let's go back to bitter. Instead of let's go back to sweet. No, God turned bitterness into sweet. I am here to tell us, to remind us that God can turn the bitter into sweet. And when he does, we just need to say, well, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that experience. And the last part of that verse says, and there he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. So the struggle wasn't meant to destroy them. The test was meant to strengthen them. There was a very specific reason for which God tested the nation of Israel. Listen to verse 26, and he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I think we need to stop right now and stand. 
Let's thank God for his healing. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your healing power. Let's start thanking him. Thank him for all the times. Thank you, God, for healing me of the croup. Thank you for healing the, the disc in my back. Thank you, God, for healing all of my diseases. Thank you, God, for healing the individuals that are in this sanctuary today. We give you praise, God. We give you thanks for what you are doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. We glorify you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. And healing doesn't have to happen in just a magical way or some formula. It's just nice and neat and tidy. Is Brother Craig out there where he can hear me, Brother John? Can you send him in here, please? Brother Craig comes for second service, but I'm calling him on the spot. He doesn't know I was going to do this. My wife thinks it's cruel when I do this on the spot, but... Tell them what you told me about you and Justin this week. Tell them what happened last Sunday. Last Sunday, uh, I tore my meniscus. In December, I tore it in two spots and ruptured my ACL. It's totally gone. And last Sunday, I tore it, and I knew it was going to happen. I come to church, had my brace on, and it's swelling, and it's swelling. And I told Justin and a couple other men, and at the end of service, Justin comes over and starts praying for me. And as he's praying for me, my knee's getting really warm right where the meniscus is torn. As you can see, I'm not wearing a brace or anything today. And I go home that night or that day, went to bed, slept for about three hours. I was in a lot of pain. I get up Monday morning and the swelling is about halfway gone. Then... I wake up Tuesday, and there's no swelling at all, and the pain's gone. Now, I've torn the meniscus my right leg four times, twice on my left. I know what that tear feels like and how unbalanced your knee gets. And so I started talking to Chudston, and I said, hey, call him on the phone. I said, when you were praying for me, my leg was really warm. And he says, when I start praying for you, I laid hands on you, and about 10 seconds later, he felt all this heat coming from me. And I said, no, that's coming from you. And he goes, he goes, no, you were really hot. And I said, my wife says that. But yeah. uh, I couldn't resist, sorry. (laughs) So we're joking about it and stuff, and I said, we got to talk to pastor about this. And so I call pastor, and he's, he gave me a couple of scriptures. I forgot them already. But he's saying, no, that was the heat, like I thought, coming from Justin and coming to where I was hurt. And every time I've been prayed for here for my back or other problems, I always get warm in that area before I get a healing. So it was really cool. Where's, oh, Justin's not here. Should have him come up here. But yeah, so it, it was really cool. And that's not the first time. 
Every time I've been prayed for that I get a healing, one sister, Kara, prayed for me. The one time uh, when I was healed of being dyslexic, my whole body got warm when she prayed for me. And I was healed on the spot, and I could read. I used to read 18 words a minute at the fourth grade level. And now I read about 60 words a minute at high school level, just in that one day. So it was really cool. I wanted him to say most of that, but I think it's time for prayer. I'm about halfway through my sermon, but I really believe God wants to heal some people today. If you need a healing in your body, I'd like for you to step up and come stand right up as close to the front as you can. Just get right up against the step, guys, because we need plenty of room. That's it. Brother Husey, would you come, brother? Brother Craig, why don't you come pray for these people? Brother Michael, brother Martin, brother Philip, if you're if you're not sick, I want you to pray for these people. Just take one of these and pass it on to these other gentlemen. And if you gentlemen could just spread across the front of the auditorium, I'll move this back so everybody can have access. God let them experience the bitterness of Maraba so they could know that he was their healer. Says, well, if I can heal the water, I can heal you. That's right. If that tree can heal the water, that tree can heal you. If Calvary can wash away your sins, then it can make you perfectly whole in your body. The Bible, one scripture reads this way, may your body be in health even as your soul is in health. So everybody that's standing up here needs healing, right? Boy, we're too deep. But guess what? It doesn't matter if it's one or 50 that need healing. The power is still the same. Do you know that two million people drank from that water? One tree cured it for two million. Because everybody that drank, drank from the same place. And I believe God is going to do mass healing today. And I think there's some people that are going to be here second service that need healing too. And God's going to do the same thing. But as I was beginning to prepare this morning and I began to pray and I reviewing my sermon and saying, God, is this what you want? What do I need to do? As soon as I read that, I thought, God wants us to know he is our healer. God doesn't want you to walk around in sickness. He wants you to be well so you can minister to others. So don't put this on yourself and say, well, I was an idiot and fell and so I'm going to be sick forever. Or or, I went out into the rain and I got a cold and so I'm going to be sick forever. No. The tree, Calvary, still works. So we're going to begin to pray and these people are going to ask you exactly what you need prayer for. And you tell them as closely as you can. In Jesus' name, let's go. Let's begin to ask. Dear Jesus,
We release your power and your grace and your might and your glory into the lives of these individuals. You were wounded and you were bruised. This is about your sacrifice. Thank you for Calvary. By your stripes we are healed in Jesus' name. Let there be cleansing, God. The infections that are in these bodies, I rebuke them in Jesus' name. Let wholeness reign. Let the blood count be proper. Heal these backs in Jesus' name. I speak to the bruising and the tearing and the ripping and the degeneration of, of, of joints. And of, oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I lose this healing. In Jesus' name.